We hope that you're blessed in the presence of the Lord this morning as much as we're blessed here. It is August 2nd, 2020. Um, and it's mind-boggling. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it is mind-boggling that we are still, today was supposed to be our day of reopening the church cautiously and everything. But here, down here in Florida, everything went down, whoo, everybody, everything went down the drain. COVID is running rampant. It's uh, the sunshine state. But right about now, we need the sun, S-O-N, to shine his face upon us. Amen. We need a miracle from God to take us out of this situation. Uh, now, if I ask you in the beginning of this year, would you think that in August we would be here? That in August we would be in this situation, right? We have, um, when they closed my building where I worked back in March, there was a little frustration. People were like, well, they closed down the building. They didn't tell us how long it's going to be closed for, right? Is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be a month? We need to at least get an idea. And little did we know back then it was supposed to be a two-week lockdown, right? And then it went to a 45-day lockdown. And now it's until further notice. Now we're in a situation where uh, everything went down. And if you look at life, it's kind of like that situation where you cannot predict the future. Where if I ask anybody who's going to win this, God gives the, the, the Satan his. And he says, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. And right there, it gives you from the get-go that your enemy has been defeated. Because you understand that God is God is not in time. God is out of time. God is is above time. God created the whole universe, so he's out of time. So when he looks at the timeline, this is Genesis and this is Revelation, and he's in control of all of it. So right now he sees, okay, this is COVID right here, and we're going through this situation that's hard. But for him, it's not different than when the people were going through a, a hard situation in Exodus and, and they were under oppression by the Egyptian and he said to Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver them. So if he delivered them from the Egyptian, he can deliver us from COVID. And from the get-go, he said, the enemy, I'm going to crush you. And I want to tell you this morning that your enemy has been crushed. He has been defeated. It's a fact, it's, it's, a, it's a done fact that's in the past. So you are starting your Christian life. If you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're starting from a po point of victory and not from a point of defeat. And it's the devil's lie, especially when you go through a situation like, like this crisis, right? And you're isolated and, and you're apart and you cannot see your friends and you cannot see your brothers and you cannot see your sisters. And it's easy for you to feel defeated and it's easy for you to feel depression and it's easy for you to feel down. But I want to tell you this morning to lift up your head because you are operating from a point of victory because the head of the devil is crushed. He says, if you follow with me in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to verse 15, it says, Since the children are flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that they, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who 
All their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For and so he came as a human, Jesus Christ, so that he could give us victory over the devil. And, and what is the biggest fear that we all have is the fear of death. Some people say it's the fear of speaking, but yeah, that's not true. It's really the fear of death. If I put a gun to your head, you're going to get on the stage and you're going to speak. But he says that he came to destroy the works of the devil and he defeated him at the cross so that we can have the victory. So we might have lived in an attitude of fear, but you don't need to live in an attitude of fear because you've received victory by Jesus Christ. And sometimes you might not feel like you're free, but you are indeed free. Um, recently, there were political events that underscored Juneteenth, right? And me not being born in this country, I, I didn't know, actually, to be honest, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth. So I went and I, and I looked into it. And, and it's the, 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 the funniest thing in the sense that when they fought the Civil War and the Union Army won, and, and then so they, they said, okay, you know what, uh, 19, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Declaration of Emancipation saying, the slaves are free. You're free. But somehow, so they sent messengers all over the nation, all over the, the states, all over the, the country to tell people, you are free. So that they could get the memo that they've been free. But somehow, two years after the fact, the memo did not reach Texas. Some people think they shot the messenger. So when you try to give somebody a bad news and they say, don't shoot the messenger, there's some historical truth to it, maybe, that the messenger maybe was, 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 was shot. Or maybe the message got there and, and whoever got the message said, well, they don't know about it. Let me shred it and, and let me hide it. And nobody knows what happened to that message I went to Texas. So two years later, what Lincoln did, he sent General Granger with 2,000 soldiers, and they sent them to Texas to announce the news to the slaves. Now, he didn't just send the messenger. He sent the messenger and the soldiers to back up the order with the power. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has sent you a declaration of emancipation, but it doesn't come just with a piece of paper. It comes with power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So when you go against the enemy, when you go against your trials in life, you're not going with your own power. You're going with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going with the power of God. And that is supernatural power. So the head of the enemy is crushed. And so when, when the general arrived in Texas, so guess what? They got into a big house in the central town and they proclaimed that everybody was free. Everybody has the same level, the same equality. And, and obviously the, the farmers and every, the, the, the plantation owners said, oh yeah, all right, good. And they let the slaves go. No, they didn't. They didn't. So now you have to fight. Now you have to fight. A lot of people, we get saved, and we think we're going to get saved, but we're not going to have a fight. A lot of people, we get freed, but we get freed, but we think we're not going to have a fight. You're still going to have a fight, but that fight is going to be backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so if you haven't gotten the memo, I want to tell you this morning that you've been freed. You've been freed from the oppression of the enemy. You've been freed from the power of sin. You've been freed from the oppression of your soul. By the power of God. 
Now you might say, well, Dave, I don't feel free. I don't feel free because there's that sin and I keep falling in that sin over and over again. So it doesn't feel free to me. And I want to tell you, you have the power to get free of that sin. But the problem is that you might love that sin more than you love freedom. You might love that addiction more than you love Christ. And you might say, no, I don't. And let me tell you, let me show you how. Let's say you're addicted to food. And, and you get some of them nice Haitian plates with the nice chicken and the grill and all of that. And you're getting ready to eat. You're getting ready to, you know, jump. You put in the microwave, you're ready to jump. And when you turn, you like, and then you, you know, like when you feel that you have the load that's coming out, you have the water in your mouth, you feel like, okay, you know what, I want to. And now you're getting ready to get into that chicken, and then you see a cockroach in your food. Are you going to eat it? Are you going to eat it? You're going to be like, ah! And out of a sudden, you're not going to want to eat it anymore. You're not going to want to eat it anymore. And if you do eat it, I got to tell you, that's nasty. You can't eat it. I remember one time I went to work and I, I packed the lunch my mom back then, my mom had made, and I went to work, but it stayed out too long. So it wasn't, you could feel that it wasn't good anymore. But I wanted it. It was like a nice rice, sauce pois France. It was nice. I wanted to eat it. So guess what I did? I, I confess, I prayed. I said, God, reverse nature, right? Reverse it so I can eat it. And, and well, God didn't answer that prayer. I said, no, nah, I ain't going to do that for you. Uh, but I had to let it go. I had to let it go because the damage that it would do outweighs the quote-unquote pleasure or the benefit that I would take. And, and this is how we have to have that attitude with sin that we're not, we're going to fight and the, 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 what we think is the benefit of it, what we feel is the benefit, doesn't outweigh the damage because the damage is death. The damage is death. And now we have to understand that we have to go with the power of God because you can't do it on your own. You can't, you tried, you tried, you tried over and over and you failed. But you go with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And understand this, Romans 16, 20 says, And soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So, so, so the problem that you have, the, the depression that you're going through, the, the, the trials that you're going through, understand that God is going to give you the victory. But you know what? A lot of times when God gives you the victory, he gives it to you in a way that you don't necessarily understand. He gives it to you in a way that you don't necessarily understand. But you have to trust him that he has your best interest at heart and that he will give you the victory. And understand this. You understand that as a human, your position is better than the devil's. As a human being, as a child of God, your position, your outcome, your outlook is better than the devil. Because, see, you have an, expect, an expected positive end. His end is always already determined. If you look Revelation chapter 20, so that's the end of the book. So we went from Genesis, the beginning of the book, to Revelation, the end of the book. And it says, Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown 
they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The fate of the devil is already a wrap. It's already a done deal where he's going to the lick of fire. And if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're going into the paradise of God. But how God is going to take you there, it's not going to be in the way that you think. You see, the devil went through the woman and, and attempted her to bring down humanity. And if Eve understood, and, and Adam, if they understood the, the, the impact of disobedience, they would never have done it. If they understood that their children and their children's children will kill themselves, right the first generation, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel. If they understood that Abel would die because of their sin, they wouldn't have done it. If they understood that, you know, we would wage war, war, and just Second World War alone, I think 52 million people died out of that war. And you see calamity after calamity, if it's not uh, natural disasters, then it's disease. If it's not disease, then it's conflict. If it's not conflict, then it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, mental issues. It, it, and it keeps going and going. And all of that goes back to the garden. All of that goes back to the temptation of Eve. But you know what God did? God said, you know what? You use the woman to bring down this world. I'm going to use the woman to bring this world back up. And he gave, and he said, how? He says, if we go back to the passage and he says, um, back to Genesis, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, which is the word seed and, and hers, her seed, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. But, but you understand that the woman doesn't have seed. But he tells us further in, in Isaiah 7 how he's going to do it. In Isaiah chapter 7, it's a passage that we read a lot around Christmas time. And it goes like this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now think about this, right? It says the virgin will be, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now I don't know if you, you pass bio, biology 101, but a virgin cannot conceive. A virgin cannot conceive. And that's what Mary says. At least she cannot conceive by herself, right? Um, that's why Mary said in Luke chapter 1, 34 to 35, when angel Gabriel came and gave her the news and, 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 and announced to her that she would be pregnant, she said, and she would be pregnant by the, by the savior of the world, that he would save his people from their sins and, and he will be this great man and, 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 and all the prophecies come to pass. And then she goes, how will this be? Mary asked, since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. And so understand this, the same way that Eve disobeyed, Mary obeyed. And, and Eve's disobedience brought calamity that we could never imagine. The same way Mary's obedience you could never imagine. Mary could not foresee the impact of her action. She could not foresee the power of her obedience. And so when, 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 when Jesus came and, and saved the world, now do you understand that today there are 2.9 billion people on earth 
that call themselves Christian. You'll see orphanages built after orphanages built in the name of Christ. You'll see hospitals and, and medical uh, missions and, and a whole lot of different things that are done by the, 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 the people of God. Don't believe everything you see on CNN because they won't show you that, right? They won't show you it getting hard. Things started getting crazy and, and then you find yourself and you feel like you're in prison. You feel like you're stuck. And here's what it says. John, when he's in prison, he, he, he's talking to his disciples and he says his disciple to ask, ask Jesus a question. And that's Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And when I read that, all I can say is, à la fréquence. À la fréquence. How insulting. You're okay, you're sitting in jail, I understand, it is hard. But how dare you go to Jesus and say, yo, you sure you're the right guy? Or should we expect somebody else? Are, are you sure you're the right guy? Are you sure you're the one? But here's what Jesus answered. Verse 4 to verse 6. It says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy have cleansed, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. When in that situation of doubt, Jesus brought John back to the word. You say, huh? Because that, what Jesus said, is what you find in Isaiah 61. And he says in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me to preach the word to the poor and so that the blind can see. And those are the deeds that the Messiah would do. And Jesus in, in Luke chapter 4 goes in the temple and says, these words of Isaiah 61, they are about me. I am the one that is to come. And while, so when he came, he did those deeds. He preached the good news to the poor. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. And he even raised the dead. He raised the dead. He raised the people from the dead, which is the hardest thing to do. When somebody's dead, it's done. But when Jesus comes in the situation, it's not the end. It's just a comma because there's another part where he raises the, the people from the dead. And he tells John, go back to the promise. Go back to the word. Go back to the original word. And you will see that even though it's not the way that you thought it was going to be, but it's still God at work because that's his word. And his word will never go back to him void. He's always going to accomplish his word and nothing can stop it nothing can stop it the, the hordes of hell can rise up against you if you have the power of God and the word of God they cannot stop you they can only make you stumble they can only try to create doubt but they cannot stop you because you have the power of God and what Jesus told John is go back to the word go back to the promise and what I want to tell you this morning, and I know this situation is hard. This situation could be, and I can only imagine, you might have suicidal thought. They say during this time, suicides go up. And I want to tell you this morning, don't give up. Go back to the word. 
Go back to the word. Go back to the promises of God. Go back to the fact that he said in the scripture, I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. Go back to the scripture that says that if if a thousand at your right, ten thousand at your left, you will watch, but it won't be you won't you won't be touched. Go back to the Lord is my shepherd. Go back to the word. Go back to your strength. This is the word of God. Because the fourth person that the Bible spoke about possibly is you. The fourth person that the Bible told us about is you and me. Because in seeing Revelation chapter seven, verse nine to verse ten, it says, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now understand this, that the God... When he sent Jesus at the cross, he already foresaw that he was going to save you. And he already foresaw that one day you and I, we will stand in front of the throne of God and give praise to the Holy One. We will be there with Christ and we will give him the praise and the glory. So all the different situations that we're going through, take courage because they're only temporary. What is eternal is the salvation of God. What is eternal is your position in Christ. That cannot change. And in a Blink of an eye, in just one word, God can flip your situation. There's no situation that you're going through that Jesus Christ did not foresee. If he foresaw that the devil was going to do this and that he was going to crush him at the cross, and if he foresaw that Eve was going to do this, but that Mary was going to come and that was she was going to be obedient and bring about the Savior that you were going to make. He foresaw every challenge that you were going to go through. He foresaw every trouble that you will ever face. And he has empowered you to overcome because he dwells inside of you with his spirit. Because he dwells in your heart with, your, with his spirit. And understand that you will stand with him. So he foresaw the malevolent one he foresaw the mother of the one. He foresaw the messenger of the one. But then he foresaw what I call the ministers and the martyrs. You see, if you're saved, you're saved to serve. If you're saved, you're saved for the service of Christ. And right now, it's not the time to, to, to be down. It's not the time to be discouraged. It's the time to be encouraged. It's not the time to be, to feel powerless. It's the time to feel empowered because you're called to serve God. You're called to be God's representative on earth. You know, it says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witness in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the extent of the world. The word witness is the word martyr. And he's called us to go and preach his word and be the light in the world because he foresaw the end. And the end is that you're with him in the kingdom. My question for you is, are you ready to serve him here? And a lot of times we get into, you know, we want houses. We want health, obviously. We want all those nice things on earth. And we get so focused on this earth. We get so focused on these things that we forget that this earth is not the final destination. This earth is not where it's all at. This earth is not. And, and you can imagine whoever house you want. Like, like on my Zoom, I have Tyler Perry's house behind me. You understand that a shack in heaven is better than Tyler Perry's house on earth. Understand that this is not your final destination. And a lot of times, and I was talking to my wife the other day, and I was like, man, I can't 
wait to travel. Because right now with this COVID, everybody's sitting still, can't go anywhere. You don't want to catch COVID on the plane or whatnot. So you're standing still. So I, can, I don't even care where I go. I just want to go somewhere. Like it would be anywhere on the map. I just want to go somewhere, right? Just go visit someplace. But you know, when you go on travel, especially the further destination, you have what we call a layover. And you have a layover. Now, the layover is not the destination. The layover is just where you wait until you get to the other plane that brings you to the final destination. Now, depending on your situation, you have, you could have a nicer layover than another. If you're in one of those Emerald Club or whatever club from the airlines, you go into your layover and there's a waiting room just for you guys and with coffee and it's nice and it's and it's fancy, right? If you have money in your pocket, you get to those nice restaurants which charge an absurd price and, and it's a nice layover, but it's still only a layover. And if the airport is crowded and, and you don't have a lot of money, maybe you're sitting in the corner, but it doesn't really matter because you got your ticket. Because you got your ticket. And, 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 and when you get to final destination, that's when you're happy. So now we're just in layovers. That body that you have is not your body. It's just a loner until you get your real car. The house that you have is just a booth to hold you until you get to your real mansion in heaven. So don't be too worried about how things are here. Now, I'm not saying don't do what you got to do. I'm not saying don't take care of business, but understand that the business that you have to take care of first is the business of God. Understand that God has called you to have an impact. And my, my thing to you, and I'm going to end with this story, because now you got choices. You can rise up against God like the devil. Imagine he was, I'm like, man, that, like, I would like, you send me in the ring with that guy. I don't even take the first one. I just jump straight down. I just jump straight down because like it's so, so powerful, right? And then the other guy, he's like flabby and he was on drugs and, 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 and he got like, he got his life back together. And for him, this fight is an opportunity, right? Because he was like, he was cast out. Like they were done with him. They were done. And then, and so the African-Americans, Deontay Wilder, right? And Deontay Wilder is versus Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder goes and they're talking trash. And then he, he says like, when he fights, Something about he gets a spirit or something comes in him and gives him the strength to fight. And then Tyson Fury's like, whoa, oh, I thought you were like me. I don't need no spirit to go fight. I mean, I go fight and I just count on the power of God and my Savior, Jesus Christ. But now I realize you can't beat me. And I was like, no, I'm going to beat you. And no, no, Tyson Fury goes, no, you can't beat me because I serve Jesus Christ. And so you can't be, and then, and then he goes and he starts, it looks like he's calling on the spirit. And I'm like, uh oh, and he's calling on the spirit and he's doing his thing. And then Deontay Wilder makes the worst mistake ever. And I'm like, bro, why would you do that? This is like the worst mistake ever that you could do in your life. He says, it's going to be your God against my God. It's going to be your God against my God. And then Tyson Fury says, you can't beat me because I serve Jesus Christ. So they go and they fight. And and Tyson Fury gets him like a good punch. I mean, um, Deontay Wilder gets him. Boom. Tyson Fury falls down. Boom. It's like the fight's over. It's over. Uh, Deontay is dancing and having fun. It's over. It's a, the fight, it's a wrap. And they're counting. One, two, three. And out of the blue, Tyson Fury gets up. Deontay's like, huh? Everybody's like, huh? How did this guy get up? How did this guy get up? And, and, and then they keep fighting and the fight ends. And guess what? 
it's a tie. It's a tie. No, it's a tie. So now they got to fight again. And in an interview, the only world is like, man, it's no way this guy got up. There's no way this guy got up. God got him up. So even Deontay got to re- got to confess this was not the human power. God got him up. And then they fight again a second time. And the second time, it, it was hard to watch. Uh, uh, like I said, because Tyson Fury like just destroyed Deontay Wilder. He destroyed him. That was hard to watch. And my advice to you is don't, don't, don't rise up against God. Don't rise up against God. You know, if you don't want to, but don't rise up against God because he got to show you then who's boss. He got to show you who's Lord. He got to show you who's in power. And I want to talk to you. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is say yes to Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you this morning to just say yes to Jesus Christ. If you live your life just by yourself, what you don't realize is that you're living in a way that you're eventually you're pitting yourself against God. And God is a rock. God is a rock. And those who, who who believe in God, there's a rock that you can lean on. It's a rock that is solid. It's the rock of the rock of ages, the foundation of your life. And it's holding you up. But if you rise up against him, if you refuse to serve him, if you just go your way, guess what? That rock becomes a boulder and it crushes you like the devil was crushed. Like, like many people that rose up against God crushed. Voltaire and friends said, you know, what? In a hundred years, the Bible will cease to exist. That was in the 1800. So now, now forget what he died and his house became the publishing house of the Bible. They tried to burn this book. They tried to destroy this book, but it's still the number one bestseller in the world because you cannot fight God. So my advice to you is to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you already received him, is to obey and worship him and live for him and serve him. You are a minister of the gospel. You might not be a preacher on stage, but you're a minister. If you're working at TJ Maxx, you're a minister. If you're working at the bank, you're a minister. If you're if you're in school, you're a minister. Your life is to be to the service of Christ. Like Mary, she humbled herself and her life was to his service. Like, like John the Baptist, he humbled himself and his life was to their service. And the impact you will never know the full impact of your obedience to God. So we're going to close in worship. And I'm going to ask you to take a time. I don't know where you are, but just take a time, close your eyes and go in the presence of God where you spend time to worship and dedicate your life. It's okay. God, in this situation, in this COVID crisis, in this racial crisis, in this in time economic crisis, how can I best serve you? How can I be obedient to you so that I can do the impossible and have your Holy Spirit overshadow me and bring to life your purposes in my life? Bring birth, give birth to the purposes of God in your life.